What is up? What is up, everybody? This is Carmine Davis, and you are listening to Oh Carmine Davis. Now let me not fuck up the drop. <laughs> you are listening to the Carmine Davis show. How are you? I'm Gucci. I'm straight. I'm straight or whatever. Um, not a very eventful week for me. Um, a very lucrative week. Um I had a very great conversation this week with I won't really tell the tea and what's going on with the project that I of course that I'm working on I, I, like number 13 project that I'm working on too and like whatever but um I spoke to the guy humble brag I had was met with the great honor of meeting the creator of Mellow Mushroom and his wife. And we spoke about a concept that I had going on. He gave me a thumbs up on my idea and he liked it. Mellow Mushroom, the pizza joint, if you don't know that or whatever, I guess you just never been. And he's a great guy. If you've ever met like if I don't, I'm sure you probably never met him. He's a pretty low key guy, but he is the complete opposite of what you think someone who would create a concept like Mellow Mushroom would be like. But, you know, he's older, so back in his day, he might have been something completely different. Also, I met Brian McKnight. Okay, Brian McKnight and his family. Like, my God, it was an eventful week. I felt like um, Nisi on BAPS uh, when she saw LL Cool J in the um, airport. That's exactly how I felt. It was ex- almost that moment. But of course, quarantine, we were um, in a restaurant. I kept my distance or whatever, politely introduced, my, introduced myself and spoke to him. And um, he was he was amazing. Um, really, really, really great guy. Beautiful family, beautiful wife. Um, what else did I do this week? I spent too much money on early Christmas gifts as usual. I I feel like such a glut or something like whatever you would call it. I haven't worn the same outfit in over like a year. And I feel disgusting and I just keep buying more and more clothes. But that's my thing. Like other people have like drugs or <laughs> they have like they spend so absurd amount of money on like travel which I travel a bit too but since quarantine I haven't been able to go anywhere so I've been just spending all this money on like clothes and um yeah that's what I've been doing it was and I, one thing I love about Christmas is Christmas is kind of a me thing I always kind of deal with my own kind of thing for Christmas. It's just me and my girls for Christmas, me and my dogs. So I take care of them and then I do for me and fuck everybody else. Like, (laughs) I don't really be trying to fuck with them like that on Christmas because most people's gifts suck. And I have a very expensive taste. And... You know what I mean? Like, so when people, um, you know, buy me shit gifts, like, I really do kind of take it personally because I don't ask you for anything. So when you take the time out and give me a shit gift, I do feel some type of way about it. Like, I feel like people have to be honest. And this is, we have, um, what, like 14 days until Christmas Eve, People have to be keep it keep it real. Like, I don't want a gift if it's half-assed. You don't have to feel obligated to run to the Dollar General or Marshalls or anything to consider me. Just don't give me shit. Don't give me anything. I don't take it personally. I do take it personal when you go and run and give me an afterthought gift. Because, like, don't spend your money on me. Don't spend that 20-something dollars on some bullshit. Give me a gift card. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let me know if y'all feel the same way. Tweet me at Carmine Davis, um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show, um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis. Let me know. Like, I'm not the only one who feels like it is kind of rude 
to get a bullshit afterthought gift. I know people think it's rude to talk about people's gifts or whatever, but that's bullshit. Like that's what people say who have horrible. I I give great gifts when I do give gifts, but I don't like to give gifts because I always feel disappointed. Like people go up. I'm like, I really love this gift. I've always been really, really great gift giver. And so I just stop. Like, let's not do the gifting at all. You know what I'm saying? And I, it doesn't make me anything because every day for me is Christmas. You know, I really do be. You know what I mean? Like, I really do be chilling. Like, I can buy my own, or you know, if it's if I'm talking to somebody or whatever, I could get a nigga to get me what I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need friends to give me gifts, especially afterthought gifts. Now, if you get me something that you know I liked. Nine times out of ten, like I already got it, like coming in the cart. One, two, you know, that's different. Like, if you heard me talk about something like software, like people always give me one of the best gifts I've ever gotten was software um, for like production. Um, someone gifted me one of my writer friends that I used to work with, he got me Melodyne, and I really wanted that program, and now I have it. That was a great gift. That was amazing. Like stuff like that, that could help me out. Um, one of my favorite gifts also was Taco Bell gift card from Laura, my best friend of all time. She was my childhood best friend. She got me a Taco Bell gift card. Something that I could use. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm resourceful. And I like people who keep that in mind. Getting me a scarf, some tacky, ugly scarf that I would never get for myself just annoys me because now I have just some extra shit except for one time my best friend got me this really really pretty or my ex-best friend got me this really really pretty red scarf and I actually loved that scarf I loved that scarf it was actually really really pretty and I liked it um but other than that like most people's gifts are trash so let's not do it at all (laughs) let's just skip the whole gift giving thing you know let's just not do it why like (sighs) Why? Why? Why do I have to pretend? And then why do I have to pretend like I like your gift? When you know it was an afterthought. You know you gave me that gift just because you felt obligated to give it to me. You didn't give a damn. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I have a family member who gives, like, these really cheapy cheap gifts one time she gave me and my brother a um some gloves from her store and i'm not <laughs> i feel really bad talking about it but I, you know i keep it a book she was giving us like she works at this like um like almost like a dollar general or something like that which is cool you know dollar general if you me okay think if you really got to know me you'd know i'm a songwriter I'm studious. I'm very studious. Um, I like to write, write down things. I like to jot things down. Give me some, a bunch of paper or like a bunch of um, journals. That would be perfect. Like that would have been a perfect gift. Pens. I love pens. Give me uh, stationery. Give me something creative. She got me and my brother, these gloves that had six, one of them had six like fingers on it. And then the other one had like four. You know what I'm saying? Like you didn't even pick it up to check. And they were like these ugly colors that didn't go with anything. We didn't have anything. Like, it was just to me. It's an afterthought. Me and, my, me and my mom agree on this. We don't even do gifts anymore. One, because I always gave my mom these really, really great designer gifts. Like I thought my mom really looked out when I was older you know when I was younger my mom always kept us like with the best gifts like every Christmas I got almost everything that I wanted everything I wanted everything I wanted she got us iPads iPods and my mom was a single mom you know what I mean so she did the best she could every year so I'm like okay this year I got her Gucci um what is it like uh Dolce and Gabbana stuff and she didn't like it some perfumes and all that she did not fuck with it (laughs) she did not like it she didn't appreciate it most of the shit just sat there and I asked her one day I was like mom you know why don't you why don't you get where use the gifts where my gifts and she was like you know I'm gonna be honest with you she said 
most of that designer shit breaks me out. You didn't give me what I wanted. You know, I like Bath and Body Works. I like Gap. I like Old Navy. Those are the things that I like. And from then on out, I was just like, but, like, it makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course, we're the opposite. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love Old Navy, don't get me wrong. I love, like, every time you see me, I'm in, up, like, you know, mid-level. Sometimes I'll rock some, I love Walmart um, joggers and shirts and stuff like that. Um, you know, but I tend to like to go low and high. And I'm, I'm a little bougie, I get it. But those are things that I buy for myself. But anyway... On to the next, like I, I have a show to run. I'm sorry. That was just something that was on my mind. Like, I think this time of year always gives me anxiety only because I'm afraid of actually spending 50 to a couple hundred dollars on a gift. And these people are going to wait for the last minute. Most people are very intimidated by buying me gifts anyway. And then when they do go and buy me gifts and stuff like that, like they wait to the last minute and just give me the, uh, I hear, I hear gift. I don't want to hear gift, hear nigga gift. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear nigga gift. Like, I don't want that. Just keep it. Just keep it. Don't give me nothing. Don't give me nothing but a Merry Christmas or let's go drink some wine. Let's go get, you know, get me, if you want to get me something, give me a bottle of Hennessy, you know, a nice Prosecco, a nice champagne, a nice white or red wine. Like, you don't have to get me shit. You know what I'm saying? That's an afterthought. I don't know. Let me know what y'all think. But I love doing this show. <laughs> I really, you know, like I I know it seems like I just be bitching, 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 bitching or shady. But this is some real shit. Y'all be feeling me like this is some real shit. Like and people need to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's get to it. All right. So that took 20 minutes out of my fucking show. But this week, you know, we always, in case you're new to the show, you know, you've never listened to the show. This is your first time. Let's welcome. Make sure you follow, subscribe, like, rate, and review this podcast. Because like I say, I don't do it for my health, baby. Like, let me know if you're liking what you're thinking. Um, you know, let me know what you think. Hit me up. Uh, but this week we are talking about Ellen. Okay. So I think we've touched on Ellen. These, I've done so many shows now I, and I, I should be ashamed of myself, but they really do kind of run together. <laughs> I don't know for sure if I have touched on the Ellen situation or not. I'm almost a thousand percent sure I did not let Ellen make it off the books. You know, I, I'm almost a thousand percent sure I didn't, but just in case I didn't, let's, let's just dive into it. Okay. Ellen loses sponsors, A-list guests and viewers following workplace misconduct scandal. Um, this is according to Love B. Scott. Shout out to Love B. Scott. Everybody over there. Um, while business over at the Elden, while business at the Ellen DeGeneres show seems to be going on as normal after the past summer's toxic workplace scandal, but insiders say behind the scenes things aren't as rosy as they appear. Um, staffers and sources sources with knowledge of the situation recently dished to BuzzFeed News about the true state of the midday staple, claiming that the show has lost advertisers, is now struggling to book A-list guests, and has seen a significant dip in ratings. Two employees claim that the production of digital content has taken a nosedive due to the lack of advertisers' funds, resulting in the series re-airing old bits. The loss of sponsors can be accredited to both the COVID-19 pandemic as well as months of bad publicity. We're trying to be a content house, 
but we have no content, one employee said. They also detailed their newfound struggle in booking talent. For the first time, everyone was starting to ask us, if you have an idea, tell us because we will listen. If you have an idea for a celeb, even if they're not an A-list or famous, until... I mean, we'll take anyone who will bring us numbers and eyeballs. The staffer said that's when they started to be real with us and essentially said, give us anything because we need help. Our old strategy doesn't work anymore. Entertainment publicists also confessed anonymously that they aren't booking as many of their clients on the daytime talk show as they have in the past. They also said some of their clients have specifically said they don't want to appear on the show, even over video conference. They also said if they are wary of booking their clients for the current season of Ellen because they don't want them to be a part of her comeback tour, wrote reporter Christy Lee Yandoli. One publicist admitted, I wouldn't set up anyone on her show right now to do anything that could possibly cause them more negative headlines. You have to trade so carefully with your clients and your client's reputation. So you don't want to put your client in any line of fire sympathizing with someone that any community or anyone would feel bad about. We're not going to align anyone with Ellen. A source close to the show, however, told BuzzFeed that they had no problems booking quality talent. The show is fully booked, and a lot of these guests are exclusive to Ellen, and that's even more remarkable because, as you know, there are no movies opening, there are no concerts being had, there are no TV events or premieres, the source says. So the whole talk show circuit that these major celebrities do is not happening. The Generous has, however, found allies and celebrity pals such as Diane Keaton, Kevin Hart, and Katy Perry. Finally, ratings have dropped 37% compared to last season, and while ratings for syndicated talk shows are down by 19% on average, the Ellen Show drop is the steepest. Evan Neerman, founder of the C- uh, founder and CEO of Red Banyan, a crisis management and public relations firm, ultimately believes the funny lady will make it. In the end, she's going to be okay. Nearman said, did she damage her brand? Yes. Has the shine worn off a bit? And does it seem like Ellen isn't exactly who we all thought she was on camera? Sure. But she'll be just fine. Give it time. We're sure Ellen and her show will return to full glory as soon as people need to promote their various ventures after the pandemic. I somewhat agree. Um, But in that time, people will have had a brand new um, situation, probably the Carmine Davis show that they could go to <laughs> and not have to worry about Ellen. I'm a bitch to your face. You know what I mean? Like you come to my show to deal with a bitch, but no, I got a lot of heart. I, I, I like, I, I have, I haven't spoken about Ellen directly, but I spoke about the essence magazine, um, situation. And I talked about how I feel like, Brands have to align with who they truly are because we're such in an exposing this you kind of like life. Now people are wanting you to talk that shit and run with it. You know what I'm saying? For better or for worse, if you are someone who they want to make sure that you're living the life that you claim and people will hold you accountable they'll hold you accountable they they will like you know what i mean like it's it's time to be if anything you need to be at least under stating who you really are do you know what i'm saying um i think um in these days i think ellen did herself a disservice by pretending to be one thing and she really was another. And it was, it was evident. I think the issue was that people didn't want to believe. And during this pandemic, I feel like a lot of people are starting to see things and look at things and from a different light, like people are starting to look at, actually look at what they are consuming, the things and the people that they have been watching and supporting for decades during this pandemic, you're actually like, wow, you know, the clips that you see, I I think about Tyra Banks a lot 
and how I was talking to somebody about America's Next Top Model and how I watched it during the pandemic. And it was almost like a completely different show to me. It was like completely different to me. Like, it didn't feel like I was watching the same show. After knowing what I know about the contestants and how they, their lives were and what they said were happening, what's happening to them backstage, you watch, you go back and look at it with new fine-tuned eyes and you're like, damn, that was some, some bitchy shit. <laughs> how the fuck did they get away with this shit? I do feel like Tyra Banks and Ellen also kept it real about a lot of things when most people weren't. They were honest. They, if this is a business, they're going to tell you what's what. Ellen was very blunt with a lot of celebrities. One in particular, I think, was Wendy Williams. Um, she was very, she wasn't having it with her. And I think Tyra also kept it real with those girls about the business. Nowadays, people are pretending that the modeling agency is a little bit more inclusive. Um, but that wasn't the, the nature of the beast when Tyra was starting. People said crazy shit to her, you know, she had to see and, and hear some of the craziest shit being said to her face. And so she wanted to arm those girls in the truth. Some people believe that they have the notion of, you know, because it happened to you doesn't mean that you should do it to others. You should want people to um, have a have it easier than you. And but I'm 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 old school. You know, I would I understand where tire comes from. You know, with the idea of this is what happened to me, and if you want it. You know, you have to survive what I went through because that's what I did. That's how I got here. I didn't get here because it was easy for me. I got here because it was hard. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like the same thing is kind of going on with Ellen. You know, I think she into TV, you know, sure, she might be kind and giving, but in TV, she knew nobody was going to give her nothing. She was a lesbian in the 90s, the early 90s, and came out, and they shunned her. And so she might have a bit of an anger problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, she might be angry. She might be. Ellen might have... She she could be still I, I would be still horribly resentful of Hollywood and everybody in it like those dark moments fuck y'all you know what I'm saying like <laughs> on camera but when it the when the cameras are off fuck you bitch I mean can you blame her honestly but what she has done is wrong. And it's not, instead of coming out and having, that was her nature and being real. Like me, I'm the complete opposite. I act like I abuse everybody around me. But in reality, I'm, I'm a, the biggest softie in the world. I give my all to everybody. And I don't want people to know because I don't like people ruining my bad reputation. You know what I mean? Because I'm soft. I want you to feel uncomfortable to come and ask me for anything. Because in reality, I'll give you anything. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I would go to on the Ellen show if she would have me. Ellen, hit me up, girl. I'll be on the show. I'll bring you some, you know, we'll we'll talk. You know what I'm saying? Like we'll talk. That's a mess. I don't really and I honestly don't feel like Ellen will recover. Like I said, I think that she will be, you know, I think eventually she's gonna run out her contract. She'll make it to the end of her contract and just not renew. Ellen should go after she renews her con I mean after she her contract is up. I don't know what her contract or her the length of her contract or how many episodes or how many years. But after that she should revamp and then kind of do a streaming and nighttime themed show. And kick it up a notch, you know, talk about some real shit, revamp her career, you know, cut the family act and be her authentic self because she's funny. You know, what I mean, no matter what Ellen does at the end of the day, whether with celebrity help or not, or A-listers or sponsors, Ellen is rich enough to sponsor herself. What they can't take away from is her humor and her wit. So she should be able to revamp her show, show herself as maybe a nighttime talk show host 
completely re- rearrange everything, the authentic where she could talk her shit, pop her shit, and pop a pin on and at, at any and a throw a phone at any of her fucking <laughs> supervisors or producers that she want. You know, because it's her. You know, you'll know what you're getting. I think what people are getting is that the fact that it was shocking. Her behavior, if she was a male producer, you know, like the shit that they did with Steve Harvey. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, Steve Harvey, bad example. Never mind. (laughs) But anyway, moving on. Okay, so there has been something on my heart. You know, um, before we get into... (laughs) Before we go on to the next segment, uh, make sure if you're just tuning in, um, make sure you follow, subscribe, like, and rate rate this and review this show um, before I lose you. (laughs) Because I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something that is really bothering me. And, you know, usually the second segment is artist spotlight. You know, we usually talk about a particular artist or a particular musical subject that... I want a spotlight on, you know, and this, this time I want to talk about something that's really, 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 really bothering me that I still can't believe that we're still talking about. Um, and that's being queer and gay in the gospel community. And particularly the black gospel community. And about how. I I don't like how y'all are behaving in the gay gospel community. I want to I want to give a backstory. Um, and I want I'm. I don't want to, this is kind of fresh. I chose this subject like last minute because it's been on my heart and I don't really like to, I don't like the idea and the concept of outing anybody. I don't believe in that. I don't, I think it's tacky one. I don't, I think it tells more about the person doing the outing than the person who was in the closet. However, I do believe that everything is for a reason. And I do believe that no matter like how I feel about the Ellen DeGeneres situation, no matter who, it's important for you to be real and authentic, one, with yourself before you are with anything. Because once you understand, you don't have to tell everybody your business, but once you have truly accepted who you are as a person, there is no outing of anybody. It's just a bunch of bitches that are minding your business. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's no outing that anyone can do to you when you already have accepted yourself as who you are. You know, you can't be, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like no one can expose you because the whole idea of exposing is what's really bothers people. I think about the exposing thing is what's shocking is that these, most of these people especially these black gay men or these black men who are in the closet, especially in the house, the church, the church house, they trust me, they can't even admit it to themselves out. And they, especially out loud that they are fucking and sucking niggas. Excuse my language, Christians. Um, but if you, you know, you saved, child. You go ahead and close out and I don't know, go back to, to, to doing what, what, I don't know what, and I don't know, (laughs) I don't know what you do saints on the internet other than share very judgy backwater fire and brimstone Facebook posts, you know, about how everybody, but you were going to hell, but I, (sighs) My thing about it is I don't believe in outing people. I think that that is, that's just tacky. I think it's, you know, but I do believe in honesty and transparency. 
I know a few gospel singers personally. I'm from Mississippi. If you don't know, there are a few um, gospel singers um, that I know, that some people know, that are kind of well-known, that I know personally that I went to school with, that I've worked with, that I've met, that I've had the pleasure of sharing um, spaces with, who are fucking, fucking, like, I mean, fucking niggas. Like, I mean, getting slutted and gutted, child, from the bigger the dick, the better. You know what I'm saying? Like, and literally shunning people on at in, in the choir stand and talking about people who live their lives out loud and who sin and who are doing the, the things that they are doing in the in the dark. But because they don't admit it, like when I say these these people truly, truly cannot accept the fact that they are gay. They they have either digested it um, and and they excuse it away like um, the devil. They believe that it's the devil having his way with them or they completely just disassociate themselves with it. Like it's almost like two different people. I've been in clubs shaking my ass and gay clubs with these particular with these people now who are singing in the choir and they are married to women having babies by these women who are sucking and fucking dick and ass boy booty bussy they are loving it they are fucking it and they are doing it well unabashedly they are fucking but because they don't put they don't admit it out loud it doesn't count what kind of backwards non-christian shit is that so yes people are in the wrong for exposing these people but these are very dangerous men do you hear what I'm saying? These men are extremely dangerous. These are creatures of chaos that y'all are allowing in y'all's pupit. It's not to me, it's, that's the proof to me that it's not the gay that is the sin. It's everything that comes with it. Any kind of sexual, I believe the church is the, almost the cauldron that the devil uses to brew up some of the most demonic entities. They're in that pew pit. They're, they are on the pews. They are singing in your gospel robes. They are in their Sunday's best. They are marrying your women. They're in the usher board. They are holding church drives. They're playing the drums. Do you know how many of my friends have fucked? The drummers, the choirs, and you know, they always focus on the choir instructor. You know what I mean? There's always that gay choir instructor, but this is somebody who is literally coming in, who are, who is, who's the most authentic thing in the building and people choose to test us. We had a gay um, choir director who really did the hell out of our choir in my, my church growing up. And because he was not ashamed of who he was. He was a diva, baby. You know, like he, but he had that choir wit. They always criticized him. They seemed like they always kind of had some shade to throw his way. But he wasn't the only gay in the house. I also had a run in with, um, this is actually very intimate, but I don't have anything to hide from y'all. I was actually sexually assaulted in the church. I've never said this out loud, really, but I was sexually assaulted in church by two boys in a choir. It wasn't too, um, they were more in the lines of quote unquote bullying me, but they, they sexually assaulted me and we were at choir rehearsal and choir practice and they completely, I can't believe I'm saying this. Whoa. Um, they, they completely got away with it because my mom, 
didn't want to hear what I had to say. Like she couldn't imagine because these are two boys. These were some some really well known boys. They were on a football team, and you know they were loved in the church. And they literally came together and just made talked to my mom. Got to her before me. You know, oh Gigi. You know, blah blah. What's wrong with your son? But they sexually assaulted me. They made me touch them while we were in church. They sexually assaulted me. And one of them I'm actually friends with on Facebook. And I think he follows me on Instagram. And he went on to have a family or whatever. But that's crazy to me. Like a lot of times the church... The church, um, it's not as safe as people think that they, they think it is. And the men in the church are some of the most demonic entities that you could ever meet, whether they're touching young women who, um, are too young to understand what's happening to them, touching young boys touching each other, fucking and sucking each other, um, and lying about it, going to their wives, keeping it um, a secret. It's so easy to keep it a secret because they, they lie to themselves. Don't never, if you're listening to this and you're, you're gathering, um, if you can gather one thing about this, this, this segment in this podcast, never underestimate how much people are willing to lie to themselves, to lie to you. Never, never underestimate it. Never underestimate it. There's things going on right now. The Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion situation. Men will have, and not just men, you know, women do it too, but men will do things and completely abandon it in their mind. And, and spin it and rotate it and because they can't admit it to themselves. They don't. They disassociate with it because they have to disassociate with so much of the things they do in the dark. It's easy for them to lie about the things that they do publicly because you believe them anyway. They are going, no matter what, there are, you're going to believe them because they said so. I didn't touch her. I didn't shoot her. I don't, I've never fucked a man. That man is lying. He's lying. And it's easy to, one thing about it is people, two the people that people just never believe. It's the woman, the black woman, and the black gay. People don't believe them. They think that they're always exaggerating, trying to get attention, trying to do all this. That, because that's how the black man, especially in church, that's how they make it out to be. They never use their platform to expose the things that are happening to these people. They don't. They use that book to tell you how they, you should be obedient towards them. Submit in quotes. But they will never tell you how they just got fucking slutted and gutted on the church trip by some, the drummer. Do you know what I'm saying? And so... I see a lot of people discussing how it's wrong. I feel like there's a lot of gay pick me's, pick me's. There's a lot of that whole um, protect the D, D, um, there's this notion of protecting the DL man because in the gay world, we tend to lean towards them because we're a lot of them are attracted to the quote unquote masculinity um, of the gay man. They love the idea of these quote unquote dirty dick, you know, straight men fucking them and slutting and gutting them. And, and, and they love that idea, but they don't realize that that's a mental problem themselves. You have a problem. So they protect them because they're like, you know, I will never, it makes it hard for us. Why are you fucking men? who would never come to your defense about anything, who would give you every fucking fluid, every disease, every fucking thing, and then go home and give it to their fucking wives and deny giving it to either one of you. They would deny it all happening and continue to keep going 
fucking the next bitch and the next nigga until their body gives out and they have made bodies with everybody. This is what's happening in your church. This is what's happening in your hood. These niggas are running amok and they need to be stopped. They need to be exposed. That's my, that's honestly how I feel about it. I don't, I don't, I don't like people being outed, but there has got, this shit has got to stop. There needs to be a veil pulled off of not the sexuality part, but the darkness of it. Cause this is something that is happening and this is ruining people's lives. Why are you protecting these niggas? Now, there are the difference between I knew some people who were still honestly confused about their sexuality. But that also grew to complete uh, um, a choice, a chosen ignorance. They chose to ignore the right and wrong about their actions. When I saw this nigga that I used to go to the gay clubs with in college and made out with and heard fucking in his dorm room, some boy, I saw him getting married, announcing his marriage on Instagram to some poor, poor woman, some poor lady. And what drives me crazy about it is like every all of them are obviously gay. What is also wrong with you women that you would choose to ignore? Where are your girlfriends? Where are your re- where are your gay friends? What the fuck is going on? Y'all are going to that's not my business people to death. That is not okay. That is not okay. You choosing to be with someone who is gay is your business. You not having a choice in the manner and matter and not knowing who your part is not about STDs. It's not about any of that. It's about transparency. I say the same thing about finances. You are with somebody and don't really know that they gamble. They're taking your money away from you. That's an issue to gamble. You would, that's something you would like to know. That's something you should know. You can't trust this nigga with your pocketbook and you can't trust him with your pussy. You know what I'm saying? Because he's, he's giving up on both sides of the fucking legs. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. That is insane. And we, people were rushed to these little pick-me gays, rushed to their defense. You know, oh, stop outing. Y'all outing all the good DL niggas. You are sick. My, all of my relationships, sadly, all of them, my, I've probably been with two out gay men in my whole entire life. That was the one I was almost married to and the one I still love. The rest of them have always had issues with their sexuality. They all, and they love me. Why? Get your confused ass away from me. Why should we, why? Like, why do y'all choose to tolerate people who are too weak to stand in their truth and ostracize and alienate the people who are confident and proud of who they are? What the fuck is that? That's some backward shit. You have gay people running out of the church because you don't like who they are, but you're willing to accept the fact that this one person is denying who they truly are all because (laughs) that's scary that's some scary shit 
exposing and outing these gospel singers is not the problem. These gospel singers lying about who they are is the problem. Now, there are some who are on the journey. Like, I think of it like your mama. You know, your mama always knows. Unless your mother is deep in, deep in the church. She is about to get you exercised, which a lot of y'all have. Y'all have had y'all's mama. Come on now, church punks. Let's, and I don't mean to be, uh, I don't mean that in a sense of, I mean that in a term of endearment. I don't mean that in a, a mean, judgmental kind of way. But the church punks have a whole, un, it's like an underbelly of a life, a lifestyle that I think never gets the, it never gets the, it's just a do. There is, oh my God, we talk about the Catholic church. Oh my God, go to a Baptist church and find a group of church punks. They have a story. Every single one of them about how they had to stand up in church and I ain't gay no more themselves to death or had to go to camps and get the gay beat out of them, sucked out of them, um, exercised out of them. Um, they had to lock, be locked in prayer closets. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, beaten, spinning time with the pastor in the pastor's study where he would rape them and make them go down on them like the church the black church we don't want to talk about it but it is a very dark place there's so much anger and there's so much underlying I, there's so much pain there for so many people that they are so in denial about it. They are in denial about it. You go to church every week with people who don't accept you, who you are. That's what the come as you are, but you can never be who you are. And you tear down everybody who comes in there as they are. Whores, gays, um, murderers, uh, uh, people who are of the earth who come to have some solace can never have solace because you demons run that church. And now y'all are trying to protect these people who are being outed. Um, I don't like outing again. I'm going to say that I don't like the idea. I don't like it. I think it's tacky, but when it's time to tell my story and something happened to me, and you happened to be a part of it, I'm going to do what I can to protect you. But let's keep it real. You're not protecting me. They don't give a fuck about you. If you're fucking some DL nigga or some church punk, some, some nigga in the church who is fucking you crazy all night on Saturday night and ignoring you and acting like he doesn't even know you exist on Sunday and you love it, and you are okay with it, you have a problem. You have no self-esteem. There's a, there's a chip missing. There's something wrong with you. You need to love yourself. And I've, I've been on that ledge before, baby. You can't hide yourself from me. I've been with you punks. I've been, I've made out with you punks. I've gone out with you punks. I have dated you punks. And it's okay. I mean that in terms of endearment, endearment. You know, we call them church punks. <laughs> oh my God, this is gonna, you know, but I said, this is what we call them. That's not, you know, I mean child I said what I said and I mean it and lovingly you know but y'all know what I'm talking about when I talk about church punks and it's not well 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 one and church punk is not the one who wears the loud um uh, uh royal purple pants and the 
the flannel, I mean the 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 floral shirt tucked in with the bow tie. That's not the church punk. I'm talking about that one who's sucking dick on Friday and holding his wife's hands at the fucking um um sanctuary on Sunday. Who has a baby who's leaving that wife at 10 o'clock at night, leaving that house to go, quote unquote, to the gym. When he's working and stretching the choir director's booty hole. But, you know, it's never the choir director, honestly. The choir director always gets the preachers and the deacons and the trap boys of the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. The, The church punks are fucking... The football players, they are fucking other church punks from other churches. Um, sometimes the drummer, they tend to fuck the fa- young fathers of the church, um, other qu- church um, choir members. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. The quiet boy that everybody likes. He is fucking that church boy, that church punk. Let me get off of this, child, because I'm about to offend y'all. I don't, I don't care, because it's something that needs to be discussed. And yeah, sure, church punks might not be the proper and the nice way, but that's. <laughs> I hear you already saying stop saying church punk, but that's what. <laughs> that's what we know them as. Boys in the church is two different things than a church bomb. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> you can't cancel my show, so you can be mad all you want. But if you're mad about the, t- you know, if you're mad about being called a church punk, you are a church punk. That's all I have to say about that. Oh, child, I got to rearrange. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tweet me at Carmine Davis. Um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis. Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. You can email me show at Carmine Davis.com. Carmine Davis show at gmail.com. You know a church punk. And if you're a church punk or you fucked a church punk or you know a church punk, I ain't going to tell nobody. Tell me your story. You know, I people DM me so much. Especially on Twitter. I get a lot of DMs. I ain't never exposed nobody. I'm not that girl. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to expose you. But I'm on, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it and laugh. I'm not gonna laugh at you, but <laughs> I find it interesting. All right, so let's move on. Let's move on. The last portion of this show is tend to be it tends to be my favorite um, segment of the show. Um. The love and relationship and the sex segment. Um, we talk about a lot of things. It kind of gets um, spicy. You know what I mean? But this week, um, I want to talk about something that I, I find very interesting. This one is from Vice.com and... It's something that I'm very guilty of. I'm sure everybody is guilty of. And it's why we love people who don't love us back. Um, It says, in 2007, a boy came on my tights at a house party and then abruptly stopped talking to me. And I've been obsessed with him ever since. I've been in love with the in love with the same person for 11 years. I say love, but it's not really love because our love significant our last significant interaction was about 8 months ago when I tapped him in the bathroom 
when I trapped him in a bathroom. It was meant to be a grand gesture. In my mind, I was going to ambush him, tell him that I wanted to have sex right here, right now, to this bath in this bathroom, and he'd be so won over by my nonchalant attitude that he'd finally love me back. But what actually happened is that he said no. And then I begged. Then he politely slid around me, unlocked the door, and walked out. And the look of perfectly detached boredom on his face as he did it will haunt me until the day I die. This boy who I'll call Alex rejected me for the first time when I was 14, 15. He came on my tights at a party in 2007, then abruptly stopped talking to me. And I remember it hurt so badly that the shock of it made me vomit all over my mom's carpet. I transformed two kisses, one pair of tights, and zero time alone into a fully-fledged relationship. In his view, we didn't know each other in 2007. At 15, sobbing on the stairs with vomit all over my face had been a dramatic escape from my otherwise boring teenage life. At 26, though, when you're still chasing after the same boy, now man, Asking yourself what you're trying to escape and why gets a bit more depressing. When I switched from the low-level enduring love of Alex back to full-on slavish obsession a few years ago, I was seeing a therapist for agoraphobia and general panic. But instead of using the time to talk about not being able to walk around outside or not being able to get out of bed or still living with my parents, I turned each session into an hour-long fantasy. I would lie on my back looking up at the ceiling and talk about Alex. I'd wonder what he might be thinking and feeling and why he didn't love me back. Sometimes I would tell lies, invent nice things he had said to me or, or reasons to hope. Sometimes I felt so, too prickly and ashamed to mention him at all. So I'd talk about the other boys who I felt were rejecting me. And my therapist would say, oh, Kitty, I can't keep up. And I would feel in that moment that my life was pretty wild. It's the total abdication of emotional responsibility that makes unrequited love so weirdly pleasurable. Aisha 27 explains why she has made a habit of pursuing doomed relationship with women who are straight. Before I came out, I always in relationships with men and pushing them away. She says, it made me feel evil. Either I was frigid or I was a psychopath. I was constantly thinking, what's wrong with me that I don't want them? But for Aisha, pursuing straight women, though painfully, was in some ways a relief. If you're chasing someone who you can't have, you think very little about yourself. You're thinking about them. It's a distraction, isn't it? The thousand little humiliations of unrequited love, the pleading, the pity, the strangled 5 a.m. Facebook calls, the locked lose might actually be worth it for the escapism of pouring every disappointment, ambition, and insecurity you ever had into one fixed human point. If the person would just love you back, goes the fantasy, all your existential angst would be solved. Psychotherapist and sex and relationship specialist, Dr. Meg John Barker, tells me that unrequited love is rarely about the other person. Frequently, we simply don't know them well enough to really know that they are all of the things that we think they are, Barker explains. It may well be that the person represents important sides of yourself that you have disowned or rep repressed in your life. With the love what the love feeling is telling you is that you need to embrace the parts of you and yourself, not in the other person. There's also a certain amount of object objectification going on. We want them to be something for us rather than loving them in their full humanity. Putting people on pedestals is rarely kind. They often end up falling off and being hurt by the experience. Why would you do that to someone you love? It's a vicious cycle. You love them because you don't like yourself. And if you did, by some magical chance, trick them into loving you back, you'd probably hate them for it. Another serial unrequited lover, Mia, thinks about her addiction to the one-sided romance in terms of gay shame. It's internalized homophobia. If I go out with a girl, I want them to be somebody that I'm so proud of. She needs to be unattainable. It's gross, but I wouldn't want to go out with someone second rate because I've got like homophobia about myself. This is unrequited love in the purest form. 
when your whole body is taken over with a pangy, throbby want, but you can't even masturbate while thinking about your crush because you love them so much, it hurts to remember their features. And anyway, imagining them having sexual contact with disgusting little you would somehow sully them. Mm. The bus is a prime location for this kind of love. At 31, Mia still allocates specific times during her commute to do what she calls her scenarios. I'll find a song I like and do this thing where I imagine me and the girl. I love dancing to it and everyone watching us and saying, oh my God, these two are so hot. At that moment, it's barking by Rams. <laughs> if you're born with a tendency to fall hopelessly in love with people who will never love you back, maybe you're doomed for life. Until you become a more stable, emotionally responsible, shame-free human being, unrequited love might be your crutch. It looks like my fate is to spend the rest of my days fantasizing about Alex on the bus. But one underappreciated way to break out of this cycle of pain would be to actually have sex with your love. Because the sex will almost certainly be shit. The thing about unrequited love is that there isn't any real sexual chemistry between you because, crucially, they don't like you back. If there was, you'd probably be together and putting a deposit down on a house right now. So in bed, you will be shit because you will be nervous and fumbling and weird. And they will be shit because they don't actually like you and they can smell your depression your, and your desperation. If you were honest with yourselves, you would just stop. But you plow through joylessly and deal with the awkwardness and the regret in the morning. The excruciating shittiness of the sex might just be the cure. Then again, if you are seasoned in unrequited love, you, like me, will be delusional. In a few days, you will have convinced yourself that it was actually really tender. You'll have forgotten that you didn't look each other in the eye even once and be telling anyone who listened that though you didn't actually come, you were really, really close. That was beautiful. I thought that article was very interesting. I, I, I've i had blips of unrequited love. Um, my people tend to, I've never had it where they didn't even know I was alive. You know what I'm saying? But unrequited love was always for me like a not yet kind of love. Or they didn't love themselves enough to love me. Or they liked me, but I wasn't their type. You know what I mean? Like they would say those kind of things. And it would drive me crazy, but I would do the complete opposite. I would just run away. I would cut them off, but they always begged to be in my life. And I never understood what that was. Like, if you don't like me like that, you don't want to be my friend because you're not honest with me. You're not transparent with me. You don't like to talk to me. You don't treat me like a friend. And I realized that. It was unrequited love on both sides. It was a cycle. They liked me, but they didn't. It was a shame. Most of the times it was, like I said earlier, it was those boys in the church. Or those boys deep, like who have family in the church and they were trying to branch out. I'm in my 20s. So I didn't even know I was gay for sure until I was 21. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. So I, when I found out and I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. And I immediately was like, cool with it. But that's not the case for everybody. They struggle with it for so long. And when you're around someone who is so comfortable with themselves and charming and all this, stuff, it's alluring. But you can't go there. Um, they aren't the ideal person that you would even come out with. Like, I'm tall, you know broad a bigger guy they ideally would like to sneak around with the skinny boy the muscular one but they're attracted to me because i'm an attractive person i'm sexy see i mean like not trying to be arrogant but i am and so it fucking around with me is not was not a part of the game so i know a lot of the times that was the case sometimes it was it was a lot of things and then in reality none of that mattered because it did not work. They didn't love me enough to put aside all those things. They didn't like me. So it was always when they were ready, I wasn't. I pushed them away. When I was one of them, they pushed me away. So it was always unrequited love. That's still a form of unrequited love. 
Um, I have these crushes on people. You know, I have like these fantasies of what it was like. Oh my God, I got to see them. I got to see them today. But I never put it in my mind that they love me. I'm sure they probably do, but <laughs> I think unrequited love. And also it's, it's one of my, the reason why I chose this article is also because it's one of my favorite song titles. Even before I was even knew what love was, I loved writing about unrequited love, unrequited love. Is it unrequited or unrequited? I don't know. I think it's unrequited because it's equate, equal, unequal, unrequited love. But I always loved to write about unrequited love because it was, it was, it was an amazing topic. I think it's something that we all can relate to, but it's the most tragic thing. And, and no matter how big or how small that exchange was with that person, it's powerful. Because you can literally, it also affirms my belief that the mind is so powerful. You can literally build a whole life with this person and have never sat down and spoken to them. They never looked at you in the eyes. They don't even know you exist. But you could touch yourself thinking about them. You could have full-on fantasies, life, thoughts about them, who they are as a person, who they are in the, the, the day-to-day lives, how, what it's like to be with their family, what their mother is like. I don't know. Let me know. Which, have y'all ever been in an unrequited, unrequited love affair? Tweet me at CarmineDavis.com. I mean, tweet me at Carmine Davis, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis. Um, email me, show at CarmineDavis.com. Let me know. But that's our show. That is our show. That was heavy. It was a pretty heavy show. Um, I didn't want to tackle the church thing like I did. Um, but you're, I'm going to give more details about it on the after show. I promise you it's on patreon.com slash Carmine Davis. We're having issues with my Patreon, but it's all going to be up. And all those past shows, all the shows are been recorded. It's just will be uploaded because they're all in HD videos and they've been edited and all that, but it'll be up and you'll be able to watch all the past ones. And they're good. And including this current one, again, it's patreon.com slash Carmine Davis for the Carmine Davis now after show where I'll give more details. Um, probably, very grave details about um, my relationship with being gay, the church, the, the friends, the lovers that I've had, and I, I hope it. I hope I didn't, and the church punks, and I. I wanted to talk about it because I felt like it's a discussion that is always shunned, and I hope we kind of pull the veil off and start a discussion. And I hope to hear what y'all think about it between then, now, and next week. Um, But yeah, y'all have a great week. Thank y'all so much for tuning in again this week. And I love y'all. And see y'all next week. Bye.